Blog Talk Radio. Green Living Guy here. What's going on? Well, it's a great day over here, uh, even though there's been some uh, unfortunate brush fires going on in Staten Island and Long Island near me. But I uh, haven't smelt the smoke, and uh, glad that uh, they're going to get that under control sooner or later. Uh, I'm hosting now the best part this episode here. You can give me a call at 347-637-3762. We're waiting for Leilani Munter to give a call in, and uh, we're going to talk to her about a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, The Cove. She's been working with them on that movie and on the issue as well, and a wide variety of other things. Um, Let's see, I've been writing... Just to let everyone know, the third edition of Build Your Own Electric Vehicle. Yep, I've been in the depths of writing that. Um, That should be coming out next year. And stay tuned for that one because there's going to be a lot of work on that. And as gas prices get uglier, we'll see, right? So that's the interesting part is to see what happens with oil prices, with the issues surrounding that, because uh, you know, it looks like it's only going up, which ironically it doesn't really need to, but that's a whole other story, right? Um, I'm going to try here and keep on while Leilani gets on the line. Um, telephone number 347 637 3762 347 just wondering to see what you guys are up to out there um, let's see I've been working on my book tour uh, there'll be new locations coming soon um, if you see on you should also check on blog talk radio which is pretty cool um, dot com backslash green living guy. I'm now going to be hosting a chat, online chat, guys. Give a shout. Uh, you can even do something there, or you can call in. Um, I'm also on now, which is pretty cool. I'm on uh, Pinterest. Um, I just joined that up, and I just putting up a video soon the coolest thing in the world. I was at an event where Bill Ford was there. Yep, Bill Ford. And we were talking about Bill Joe Electric Vehicle and stuff. And then the funny part came when uh, my buddy um, got on the, asking him, her, uh, asking Bill Ford a question about, um, of all things, hybrid convertibles. And you know what? He said, well, we weren't planning on it yet, but, uh, we might be in the future, and it's so cool. Oh, I think we got here our guest. Hold on. And are we live with Leilani Munter? You sure are. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Great. I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Uh, it's a good day today here. It's nice. Uh they're going to put out those brush fires in Long Island and in Staten Island, but besides that, everything's really great over here. Can't complain. Uh, and you're in North Carolina, right? I am. I'm uh, just north of Charlotte. Uh, 
on the shore. Nice. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Leilani Munter here uh, on Green Living Guy Show. We're going to be talking with her. She is one of the top ten, yes, one of the top ten in the world NASCAR drivers, uh, women NASCAR drivers, and she is doing a lot of work on the environment, a lot of work with uh, a great movie called The Cove. And um, why don't we ask some of the basic questions and then get into some more detailed stuff. Um, How did you get into NASCAR, of all things? Um, I got into racing when I was going to college for biology um, out at the University of California in San Diego. And uh, I went to a racing school and really enjoyed it and and did well and and was kind of encouraged by a a regional NASCAR team owner that happened to be at the track and see me drive um, to pursue it. So I started uh, looking for sponsors and it took me about nine months, I think, to put together my first sponsorship. And um, I started racing on the local short tracks, um, a little place called Cajon Speedway, which is no longer there in San Diego. And um, that was summer of 2001 when I ran my first wow. sponsored race. And uh, here we are <laughs> years later and now I'm racing a little bit bigger tracks, places more like Daytona. <laughs> yeah, but, right. um, yeah, just uh, I just really enjoyed it, and so um, you know, decided I really wanted to pursue it and moved to North Carolina after I got my degree, and have been sort right. of chasing the dream ever since. Uh, yes, you have. And ladies and gentlemen, just so people are aware, you can go to LeilaniMunter.com or you can go to um, CarbonFreeGirl.com carbonfreegirl.com or leilanimunter.com and I think even on this page for the show there is a link to your site so everybody can go to blog talk radio site and I'll get a a story up on this too so how is your how did you get to or how did you want to combine going green and, and the environment and all those kinds of issues with NASCAR or racing well, you know, I've always been interested and and concerned about our impact on the environment and our use of our natural resources and overpopulation and all those things. And um, as I started racing and getting to the higher levels where I was, you know, getting to do interviews and getting some media coverage, you know, I realized that I had a huge opportunity to use my voice to talk about things that I thought were really important that needed to be talked about. And yep. um, and what better place to do it than, you know, the number one spectator sport in America. There's 75 million NASCAR fans in the U.S. Um, more people tune in to watch racing than watch baseball, basketball, and hockey combined. So it's a, it's a huge group of people, and um, and I felt, you know, but I had a huge opportunity to sort of bring up these issues and and try and spread awareness about them. So back in, yeah. I think, 2005, I started a section on my racing website that was dedicated to environmental news and um, really started sort of publicly addressing these issues outside of just, you know, talking with my friends and family about them. And uh, in 2007, I announced my commitment to adopt and protect an acre of rainforest every time I sat in my race car and 
Um, and then in 2008, I started to get politically involved um, and started making trips to Capitol Hill to right. lobby for the Climate Security Act and to sort of fight for clean energy. And um, so I've just it's just kind of snowballed, and I've gotten more and more involved. I'm probably, you know, just as much of an activist as I am a driver. I like to be on the front lines of the fight. I've been to the oil spill a few times. I've been to Japan a few times. Um, I'm not really, you know, I don't like to just sign the petition and move on. Right. Yeah, that's not helpful then. Signing a petition might be a a good one shot, but it's not going to solve well, it's a, it's a great thing to do, and, and I think it's important. And, um, you know, thankfully people do pay attention when there's a lot of signatures. Yeah. Um, but I'm in a great situation where I can actually sometimes take off and fly to Japan or go to the oil spill and um, be there on the front lines, and I know a lot of people can't always do that. So um, right. it's not that signing a petition is a bad thing. It's a great thing. Um, but I kind of like I like to get more involved and really be there for what's going on if I can. Yes, no, that's you can take it to many different levels, but you decided you're going all in here, and that's that's the greatness of of you, um, which is great. Um, you've been able to do such cool things, as besides being on CNN, um, checking out the Gulf oil spill while it was going on and still an issue today of, you know, regarding acidification and dead zones in that area. Um, you've been able to, for goodness sakes, get the Empire State Building to go red for the movie The Cove. Uh, you're launching now an education project in racing. You want to tell us about that, too? Right, yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm kind of taking, trying to take the conversation to the next level with the race fans. So, Um, You know, pretty much since the second car was built was the day that um, car racing started. And since racing has started, it's really the drivers and the race cars themselves have basically been billboards for companies um, to advertise on. And since I started, you know, working on environmental issues, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of great green eco-conscious companies um, but I've still been some somewhat of a billboard for them, just, you know, other than the fact that I was a billboard promoting great companies that are doing solar and wind and LED lighting and recycling, yeah. and and they're great companies, and so I'm more than thrilled to carry their colors, but I wanted to actually use my race car to address certain issues and to call to action the race fans to do something. Um, so, for example, at Daytona this past um, February, Besides drinking a we Budweiser? Ran... Huh? <laughs> you wanted to get people to call to action besides drinking a Budweiser or going to Home Depot? <laughs> That's really nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um, we ended up running The Cove on my car, which is a movie um, that's won 70 awards globally, including the Academy Award for Best Documentary. Yep. And I saw it and was extremely moved by it and um, yeah, have been to basically. Japan several times now to document the slaughter as a as a volunteer for Rico Berry, who's the main activist in the film. And um, and I really wanted to get this movie. I wanted people to realize that the slaughter has not ended yet. And yep. there Could were a lot of people that... Can you give me a bit, can we back up? 
Leilani, can we back up for the for the listeners up there? I really want people to understand and and so that your message gets across. Could you tell people on um, what the Cove is, the movie, a little bit more? Right. Because I yeah, think, I, mean, I, I don't like to go into the details too much because I think it's really important that people watch it. Um, okay. The Cove is what I believe to be the best documentary ever made. Um, it's, like I said, it won 70 awards globally, including the Academy yeah. Award for Best Documentary in 2009. Um, it is a documentary that exposes the dolphin captivity industry and the dolphin slaughter and draws a connection between the two, an undeniable connection between the two. Right. And there's right. a lot of other issues that are brought to light in the film. Um, it's fantastically done. It's you know, really plays out like a thriller, like a spy movie. Um, yeah. These guys yeah. risk their lives to get the footage that they got for this movie, and um, every single guy that works and, and lady that works on that film is, you know, heroes of mine. And um, yeah. it's a complicated issue that I really, like, I really feel people need to actually see it to understand all the nuances around this issue. But the slaughter okay. is still going on, and many people... Um, I found were surprised when I was leaving for Japan and saying, you know, are they still doing that? I thought, I thought that it would have ended because it was exposed right. in the movie. And actually, if you remember in the beginning of the movie when Rick O'Berry is first taking Luis Hoyas through the streets of Taiji, he actually says, you know, the fishermen said to him, if they find out what goes on here, we'll be shut down. Even the fishermen believed that, you know, if it was recorded and if it was, you know, the word got out about what was happening in that small cove, that they would be yeah. shut down. And yet it has been exposed and it has been out there for several years and it still hasn't ended. Um, right. So I wanted to sort of bring that to light and get it back in the news because we live in such a, you know, our society is so fast-paced these days that things are in the news and then they're gone. They're a blip and then it's gone. And it's on yep. to the next story. And that's sort of what happened with the Cove. It made a big splash. There was a ton of buzz about it. It won the Academy Award. And then, you know, it kind of fell off the radar because, you know, the next movie came out. And yep. the next news cycle came in. And so uh -huh, I wanted uh -huh. to get it back out there <laughs> and make sure that people realized and understood that this slaughter is still happening. And well, I just put so, onto my site, uh, just so you're aware, I'm going to put on my Facebook right now uh, a link to opsociety.org uh, about um, the hard truths of mercury poisoning, which mm -hmm. deals with, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever eat fish or sushi, you really need to check out this site that I just saw and posted to my Facebook page. Um, there is a lot going on with this movie. Um for people out there, they can check out the movie at thecovemovie.com, um, which there is a link to that on Leilani Munter's website, which is leilanimunter.com. And you can go there and check out a preview of the movie. And uh, I, too, have been able to see the movie uh, with uh, in California with Rick O'Barry and one of the producers, so that was an, an honor, um, but of course I never went out to Japan, but um, I 
applaud you for all the work that you did to make this happen, uh, to to make it an issue or to continue making it an issue because it's not over yet by far. Um, Right. Just because somebody speaks out doesn't mean, like you said, that it doesn't mean that it's going to end. Right. People need to be aware of that. So, what in in lieu of that too, I will write up another story about the movie and your uh, relationship about that, so we can get the word out. And we'll, I'll try and get that to a couple of uh, publications for you to, to help Excellent. continue the word. Yeah, we all Great. we're all in this together, you know. And I just figure that if we can all work together on this stuff, I, it only helps carry the message further, you know. Absolutely, and that's you know that's what we did with the race car at Daytona. We had the cove on the car. Um, Luis Ahoyas, the director of the film, and Rico Berry both flew out to the race. Um, they gave a thousand DVDs away of the movie. They were autographing them and giving them to the fans. And so my call to action for that particular race was to get people to watch the cove. And I knew by them watching the cove, they would learn about. Uh, contamination and pollution in our oceans with mercury. They would learn about overfishing. They would learn about the connection between the dolphin captivity industry and the dolphin slaughter that takes place. And um, every time my race car hits the track this year, we want to be addressing a different issue and have a specific call to action for the fans. So what I'm working on right now, actually, for my next car and um, you know, we're working on some clean energy cars, some wind-themed cars, and solar-themed cars. But we're we're also working right now, particularly on um, partnering with vegan companies and having oh, yeah. a powered by plants race car. Um, really? So, as you know, you probably already know this, but some people don't know this is that you know, moving towards a plant-based diet is you know, not just good for your health. Um, it's also very good for the planet, and yeah. uh, obviously it's very good for uh, for and putting an end to how much animal cruelty goes on um, and yeah. factory farms. So um, it's just good all around for the whole planet and all the beings that live on it. And um, I am going to be trying to promote that at the racetrack, and we hope to partner with vegan companies and maybe even have a vegan chef out at the racetrack trackside and. Um, cooking vegan food and giving it away to the fans. So each time my car hits the track, we're going to address a different issue. It might be, you know, we want you to give up using single-use plastic bags because we go through billions of them every year. Um, might be that we want people to understand that we waste $10 billion a year on vampire power, which is, um, you know, just being... I just wrote a story about that. Yeah, that's a big one. It is a big one, and it's a big one that, you know, I think a lot of people just don't know about. There's just many things that um, we may be immersed in because we kind of live in the eco-world, but if you don't live in the eco-world, you don't necessarily read about these things. I don't think a lot of people associate their carbon footprint with the food that's on their plate. They mainly associate it with the car they drive. Um, So I They don't even associate sometimes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to just say, sometimes they don't even associate, which I, I say to a lot of women um, and my wife constantly, that uh, the dye that you put in your hair has a direct correlation to your health, too, mm-hmm. uh, and the makeup and all that kind of stuff. 
there's so many things that we ingest that we have no idea <laughs> what they can do, and it's right. not just trying to say don't do it. We're, you know, uh, if somebody wants to, you know, put on makeup, that's fine, but just be aware of the chemicals or make sure there are no parabens or make sure that right. there are other no dyes or, or bad chemicals in the products that you put on your face, your lips, or your skin. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I try and do, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I just got recently, too, which goes to your vampire thing. It might be an interesting um, company to talk to for you. Mm-hmm. Um, have mm-hmm. you ever heard of Trickle Star? No, I haven't. Okay, Trickle Star is one of the innovative energy-efficient, it's really like a circuit breaker kind of thing, like an extension cord, but a green extension cord. So you can Mm -hmm. plug in in sections what's always on, what's controlled, what Mm -hmm. is is the control, um, and then what are the switched-on options. So you can have, on this one, you've got three ports, that you can turn on and turn off when you don't use. So for right. all those moms and dads and parents out there, or even people that are gamers, um, you have the ability to plug this in, and then when you don't use your Xbox or your DVD or your Wii or you know any of that kind of stuff, you can shut it off mm-hmm. and just watch the TV and keep the cable box on. Which Absolutely. is a shame that we still have to keep the cable box on all day long. <laughs> we, a lot of people like the idea of the time in there, so that you keep it on. But that's costing you money, people, and that's one of what what Vampire Power is about. That Leilani's talking about, you know, like uh, Vampire Power is also the issue of plugging in and pl- unplugging. Um, there's too much energy we consume that way, and I, and I really applaud you, Leilani, because. You know, NASCAR is the biggest sport in in this country. Um, and to get that kind of message to so many people, and the way that they do it at NASCAR is very um, community-based. And what I mean by that is, you know, I noticed, you know, before every race, every you know, there are people able to get and, and connect with the race car drivers. You can get right. to see them and stuff. And I think that it makes it, you know, the fans appreciate that. They become mo- much more of a diehard fan because they get to connect hands-on with their favorite race car driver. What other yeah, sport really correct. does that? There, <laughs> there really think. isn't. There, yeah. NASCAR is definitely a very fan-friendly sport. And, um, you know, I had a clean energy race car at the track a couple of years ago at Kansas. I raced with a group called Operation Free and um, they're a group of veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan that are fighting for clean energy in D.C., and they were going around the country with on a tour bus trying to hold, you know, town hall meetings and just meeting with um, citizens and talking to them about the fact that our billion-dollar-a-day habit on foreign oil is a national security threat to our country. And over the course of the two-day re- weekend um, at Kansas, we had 30,000 NASCAR fans come through my tent to talk about clean energy with these veterans. And it was just a really powerful, um, you know, example of that that I can really, I feel that through the race car I can really make an impact. And I'm a biology graduate and I'm an environmentalist, you know, in my heart. Um, But it's actually being a race car driver that is giving me the voice 
to get these messages and get this awareness out in front of That's right. you know millions of people that I normally wouldn't be able to talk to. When I raced at Daytona in right. 2010, we had 3.7 million people watching our race. Um, so even though I'm not on the top level of NASCAR, I'm not in Sprint Cup, I'm in what's called the ARCA series, which is one level below um, like NASCAR Nationwide or um, NASCAR Craftsman Trucks, that level. It's sort of oftentimes people run ARCA and then go into Nationwide or Trucks. Um, yep. Yep. It's still a big, you know, a big audience. It's a and, massive audience. Um, massive audience, yes. Yes. It is, and it's um, it's important for me to to be able to use that audience or use my voice to that audience to talk about these issues that I really think we all need to be aware of and addressing. Our generation is facing environmental crises that we've never faced before. That's right. And That's um, so I I know it sounds like everybody's always the first question is like oh. You know, how do you reconcile the, the racing and the environmental activism? And it's like, mm. you know, for me, they are endlessly intertwined with each other. Without my they race are. car, I don't have a voice. Without my You're race right. car, I'm just another, you know, biology graduate asking people to cut back on their meat. Nobody would hear me. But when I can put it on the hood of my race car and be at places like Daytona and Talladega and trading paint with the guys and, getting out of my car and saying, I want you to watch The Cove or I want you to try Meatless Monday, um, it just it really gives me a voice to talk about these things that if I were to stop racing, I would never have that voice. That's true. Um, it's kind of like with me, you know, with my platform of Green Living Guy or if I didn't have my books or if I didn't write for all these other entities, you know, th- th- we don't have our voice. You know, I wouldn't have my voice. Um, not right. that I have a wouldn't have a voice, but it would be it wouldn't impact as many people as I try to impact. And right. you have a, in a unique, amazing ability to uh, convey amazing messages to people. It, it <laughs> a lot of people at once, and um, to realize that that's your voice is is very. Um, I don't want to sound too yoga or what anything, but it's very centered. You know, must you must feel very centered uh, mm-hmm. regarding that because you know where you stand, what you need to do to to get the word out, and that's a that's a blessing. Some people take their entire lives to figure that stuff out. You know, some people <laughs> search for a pretty long time to find that out. So uh, right. yeah. yeah, you're right. You know, it, yeah, it is. Know. It is a good feeling to know, you know, I feel very strongly about these things and I I I know that I'm when I'm at the racetrack I'm not preaching to the choir, which is what I love about being right. at the track and and bringing up these issues. I I go to a lot of these green events and they're great. They're it's a wonderful place to to connect with other people that work in my field and are engaged in these issues, but at the same time I often feel like I'm talking to a bunch of people who already agree with me. And if we only talk to people who agree with us, you know, then who's going to change the minds of those who don't? And the only way we can really move the needle and change things is to go out and get outside of our little eco box (laughs) that Uh a lot of us are in and talk to people outside of that eco box. And that's how we change things and that's how we move the needle. And 
I always feel like I'm moving the needle when I'm at the racetrack. It, it must be an amazing feeling to see 30,000 somewhat people coming up to you and hearing. I mean, I remember when I used to work for uh, the state of New York doing some programs and you were right there at train stations and what have you and seeing thousands upon thousands upon thousands. We handed out at one time, I think, over 60,000 uh, brochures about our clean commute program to get uh, when we leased um, 100 Think City cars back in okay. after 9-11. And mm-hmm. uh, just to see people's, you know, see people look at the car, to see people want to get in the car when they come home as a, a little test drive before they say, you know what, I'm going to go to the dealership and lease one of these things. Um, it, it was so rewarding. Every time a person got in a car, you felt like, okay, I've changed one more seat. And, right. Uh, you know, you've, yeah, and it's it, it, those are the types of things that you could be paid all the money in the world but if you can't really make an, a, an an impact on things, sometimes you can live a life and, you know, how you could be, well, you know, a lot of money, but you might not be wealthy or rich within yourself. And uh, it's, it's, right. it's, it's extremely rewarding to do something like we do um, and to be able to want to convey it to not just the choir. That's a tough challenge for a lot of people that are in the green, green world that they're, they're very focused on wanting to just stick in the to the to their audience because it's easy you know it's easy because they'll listen but to go and push the envelope to try and reach out to millions of others that 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 that's a challenge but you found the the best outlet to do it <laughs> it's great yeah it's, it's, yeah, I think I yeah. found a great outlet and really like to encourage all the people that are, uh, you know, working on these issues to try and do that, to try and get out, out of your, the eco box and, and really start to engage um, the other audiences because those are the people we need to win over and those are the yeah. people that we need to spread awareness among. You know, we can go to all these green events that we want and pat each other on the back and shake hands and it's they great and you make great connections but you're <laughs> not really yeah. <laughs> changing anything you're just you know you're mingling with other people that already know and and are already um you know supportive of, of what we're working on so, I, I call them the um, i call them in re- reference to the movie i call them the usual suspects because <laughs> <laughs> you know to round them up and it's pretty straightforward and some of them are a little crazy like the usual suspects sometimes <laughs> yeah, you know That's so a great it, movie. It, yeah, no, it is a great movie. Um, but I agree with you, and that's something I'm uh, always challenging myself to do every day is try and get the word out to more than just people in the green world because they're already, you know, like almost like your base. Um, right. And I, 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 that's always, um, how should I say, a challenge for me, but I work on that every day to try and get that word out even larger. And um, uh, it, it's difficult sometimes because people just think it's all about the, you know, that all I want to talk about is green. But I was very grateful recently to get WPIX, the, the local uh, Channel 11, but in New York, you know, it's like millions of people 
thank goodness. Um, and Channel 11 is not usually known for being green or talking about green issues, but now they are. Right. And That's now, great. yeah, and now they have a green page and I'm their top link there. Um, and Excellent. they weren't, yeah, they came to my house, they saw my LED bulbs, my LED TV, my energy efficient appliances. And mm-hmm. they we did so we did an energy efficiency piece, and then they even had me do one on hybrids, and they showed my books. Great. They showed my diversity of of the diversity of the things that people can talk about when they talk about going green, and it, it that was so rewarding. Besides the fact of you know being on TV or whatever is so exciting, I felt so rewarded, like you must do. Um, just to know that I was reaching a, a group of people that traditionally, normally, don't even think about that kind of stuff. Yep. At all, they have no, you know, or even have a clue. The reporter had never sat in the hybrid before. Wow. Had never. So, what do you? Uh, speaking of hybrids, what do you think of? Um, tell me what you think of the current choices out there, because I'm actually shopping right now, and I'm gonna. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Volt right now. The Volt is um, a very impressive car, i got to tell you. Yeah, uh, I've heard I nothing heard but stories. really great things about it. Yeah, ironically, with all the negative press that's going on about it, um, I'm going to start giving some good press about it, um, besides the fact that I wrote the book, Build Your Own Plug and Hybrid Electric Vehicle and Support Them, um, at per, you know, as a, as a mission. Um, here's the trick, guys. I know people that for six months, on a time, don't fill up. Right. Uh, Six months of just plugging in and paying through Mm -hmm. their con ed or their local utility bill, just like an appliance. And it's supposed to be the equivalent of like a dollar fifty for a full charge, right? Depending on what area you're in. Depending where you are. um, Yeah, depending if you're in a, you know, it could even be cheaper in some places. Literally, depending upon the the electricity rate in that area, depends on how much you would pay. Um, but in this area, it's about a you know, and prices have gone up around here. But uh, it's about a buck fifty, a buck seventy five for for every fill up, you know, versus twenty something bucks or you know that uh, right. or forty or sixty bucks on in a truck. You know, my wife drives back and forth from our house to the local, uh, one of the local schools. And um, if she had the vault, she never would be on gas, ever. Right. Except when she goes to visit her family, uh, you know, further. Yeah, the, the first guy that I met that owned a vault, he had, at the time that I met him, he had gone 2,500 miles with his volt, and he hadn't filled up with gas once. I love hearing that. <laughs> I love those yeah. kinds of stories. That's so cool. <laughs> right. It is pretty cool. So, anyways, yeah. that's where I was leaning towards, and I know you're you're really into the, the car. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm into that opinion. electric stuff. Yeah. Um, the Volt is great. It's a great plug-in hybrid. I would want you, though, to check out just in case, the Prius plug-in hybrid that's coming out? Yes. Um, because the difference between the, the Prius plug-in hybrid and the Volt is that after you have your electric range on the Prius, it goes to a hybrid car, versus with the Volt, it goes directly to uh, a gas car. Right. 
So you're even more, you're still f extremely fuel efficient when you use the, the Prius plug-in hybrid when you're not using the all-electric drive system. Right. Uh, um, so there's that. There's, um, let's see, there's a couple of other plug-in hybrid opportunities, but those are the two big For ones. For me, I also want a great fun car to drive. Yes, That's I important forgot. to me, obviously, I being a race car yeah. driver. I, can't, uh, <laughs> I do not want to uh, put my pedal to the floor and it feel like um, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, you're spinning a pinwheel? Right, okay. So get so, the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of what I was thinking, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I you know I want to at the same time, and I think a lot of people feel like this, not just race car drivers, but you yeah. know a lot of people enjoy driving a fun car that handles well, that can you oh, know yeah. that feels like you're going somewhere when you hit the pedal, and that's just a you know that's the thing that if you enjoy it, it's hard to ask people to give that up for something that where they can't feel that. So I like the idea that there's cars out there, you know, the Tesla of course, and there's the Karma Fisker, which are a little bit pricier and out of my yeah. price range. Um, yeah. But the Volt, where, where from what I'm hearing, you know, it handles well and it's it's got some get up and go to it, and it's a really oh, yeah. enjoyable, fun car to drive. And at the same time, hey, it's electric. Great. Yeah, that's no, that's uh, the I, thing is you can't give up fun. No. For you can't ask people to give up something that they really love and enjoy or something that they're not going to love and enjoy as much because it's green. But if you can give them the exact same enjoyment that they get with the others yep. and it's green, then it's a win-win. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, I, I took a friend of mine. I, I, I tell this story and uh, that I took a friend of mine to, a, uh, to drive with me in a Tesla Roadster Sport mm -hmm. right before New Year's, and we drove around town and we're gunning it, and then, of course, we hit an avenue where there was nobody on the avenue. It was like 9.30 at night. <laughs> so, of course, yes, I obeyed all traffic signals, but we took it for we, – we, I pushed it all the way down. <laughs> Let's just say that. And we flew. And the person after we parked said, I thought – and my dad always told me that an electric car was nothing more than a golf cart. If this is a golf <laughs> cart, I want everyone in my family to have a golf cart. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> That's so <laughs> and, funny. Yeah, they're yeah, really fun cars to drive. I haven't. You can't give up the 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 ultimate feeling of a car speeding down a roadway. You can't give that up. Um, because nobody wants to. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. I mean, yeah, but I mean, the majority of Americans too. Majority yeah, of Americans, they want a car that's got muscle. Punch. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's just more fun. You want to have a car that's fun to drive, especially for right. people that are spending time in their cars every day commuting back and forth from work. Isn't it a lot more enjoyable when you feel like you're having fun? And um, and I know that's not important to everyone. For a lot of people, you know, a car can just be like point A to point B. But for those of us who are car enthusiasts, it's you know, it is very important. I can't uh, I can't imagine not having that fun. So I'm I'm definitely leaning towards the the Volt right now, and I'm going to test drive all of the cars I can get my hands on. But um, 
I wanted to get your opinion on it just because I had heard great things, but yep. I know you um, probably have driven I them drove, all. I've, dri- I've test-driven the car, for the record, in the gas component, not just the all-electric on the Volt, mm-hmm. in on hilly areas in L.A. When I was given the test drive, like they took me up um, the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. It handles just like a good old GM car. Have no fear. Great. <laughs> the Volt is here, you know. That's, that's good to yeah. hear. Yeah, no, it it doesn't. You don't feel any bit of um, weakness behind accelerating in a Volt. You don't. So I I, I want you as well as everybody else hearing this to hear that there is no relative compromise when you get a volt and some mm-hmm. people think that it takes forever for the payback and this and that you get the $7,500 tax credit um, yes it's an early adopter technology right now but the way that these cars are selling they've never sold at these numbers I mean mm-hmm. the leaf the Leaf selling over 20,000 cars. Um, they, we never got to these numbers. Frankly, the car companies never let us get to these numbers in the 90s <laughs> and the late 2000s. So anything is a, an extreme accomplishment. Um, yep. But the Volt, even my uncle, who's very cynical of electric drive, said this is a car that I would be willing to get because right. he's got a Corvette. Right, it's got the Corvette in the garage, hardly used. You know, <laughs> busts it out once in a while. It's like one of those limited edition ones. But he said, if I were to get an electric car, I would get a Volt. Right. And you know, so it, it's a it's a great move. And GM is not paying me a dime to say this, ladies and gentlemen. So don't think there's any advertising going on here. This is just purely based on test driving. And yeah, based, I, um, yeah. Go ahead. I I was just gonna say that I I've been sort of shopping, but shopping mainly by reading. I've I've test driven the the Leaf um, when I was in Tokyo, actually um, over there for uh, working for Rico Berry for the Dolphin Slaughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I test drove a Volt when I was or a Leaf when I was over there, and then um, I've driven the Tesla a few times, and I love it. But that's out of my price range, and I need yeah. to have a little more room. Hey, I Elon, have to drive give the Model Tesla. <laughs> Elon <laughs> Musk, I'm telling you now, give Leilani a Tesla. And when you're done, <laughs> give me a Model X. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, yeah, the Model S I would be um, interested in driving because I've only driven the Roadster. I've never driven the Model S. And the other one I haven't driven yet, have you driven the Fisker Karma? Never drove the Fisker Karma, but I did test drive the Model S. And how wow. did you like it? Nice. Can you say ultimate Mercedes? <laughs> ultimate high-end luxury car? Ultimate. Ultimate. Zero to 60 and nothing. Um, can turn on a dime. I mean, it's just an amazing piece of machinery. And inside of it, it, it's, it when you're inside of it, you feel like you're in an Audi or a really high-end Mercedes. And That's there's awesome. no compromise on anything in there at all. Right. It's all about luxury. <laughs> it's all about luxury in that Tesla. No questions asked. 
So that's an impressive car, too, if you're going all electric. Um, if you wanted to go just hybrid, um, I've been recommending, ironically, to people the new Prius C because it's within a, a very reasonable price range of, like, 19 Right. Um, but you're looking for a, uh, an, a car, <laughs> and I would recommend you go with the Volt. Uh, just based on what what I'm hearing here, you know, right. um, it, that that'll do you wonders because you will save a ton of money on fuel, oil, and all that kind of stuff by using that car. Because if you're just using it for the type of car that I would assume you're using it for, um, just around North Carolina in your area, um, yep. you'll you'll probably hardly if ever fill up. We'll do press releases when you actually fill up. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I've seen a couple of volts. I've actually seen two volts today already, um, yep. just in the little area that I'm in, um, which is north of Charlotte um, in Cornelia. Beautiful. And uh, I've seen Beautiful. two of them. So there's, there's definitely, you know, they're starting to, I'm starting to see more and more um, yep. hybrids and electrics on the, on the road, and it's, that's really encouraging to me. I yeah, see just more be aware, it. which is funny, um, and I heard this from GM too, so d- this is kind of like squelching a rumor kind of thing. Um, a lot of people thought that the, the sales of the Volt were low um, initially, and people don't read press releases well, so I'm going to clarify just by reading a press release from GM. The first mm-hmm. 6,700 cars were given to dealers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> you have to have something to test before you sign on the dotted line, right? So they had to right. distribute 6,700 of these things. They wanted to make sure they got the 6,700 right before they then sold it to the masses, right? You know, that takes right. time to do that kind of stuff. But now, like you, I'm seeing sometimes three or four a day. It's becoming... Like, um, frankly, when the second-generation Toyota Prius came out and everybody Uh loved the style and because it wasn't so small, um, I started to see more and more and more of them pop up everywhere. You're going to see that with the Volt. I'm really confident in that that idea because if you've got them now at the dealerships and people want to try them, you're going to have more people getting them than ever before. Right. You just will because they're there. Now somebody can kick the tires. Before you couldn't even kick the tires. It was a concept. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's the exciting thing about the GM Volt that people don't talk about a lot. So I'll talk about it. <laughs> what the heck, right? Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, let, yeah. so let's see. You're... Also, um, okay, so you've got sponsors from everything from the Cove. You've had energy companies. You've had LED companies. You're now getting into vegan. Um, and if you're on your website, the leilanimunter.com, ladies and gentlemen, you can see all the different amazing uh, things that Leilani has been in. Um, she's also been a stunt double as well for some pretty famous people. Um, in movies, um, just as a separate opportunity to get into the entertainment world, and uh, but 
Um, she wasn't in the movies necessarily, except for her body when she got thrown or something like that, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. I was doing, I was doing yeah. the driving or the getting thrown over tables kind of thing. Oh, you <laughs> Well, I, I commend you for being willing to take a hit and keep on, like, you know, ticking like that because that, that, that's not fun either. But uh, Yeah, it was know. actually fun, actually. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, well, good. You know? <laughs> yes, I liked flying over a table. It was fun. No, I, I hear you. <laughs> if you're padded up and everything, it could be the, the most amazing ride. Of, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, and just the ability to be on set with that kind of a movie and stuff is, is, is pretty amazing. Um, another thing that people don't know, and I only bring it up, because every time I see one of my friends, I sit, uh, he always asks me about your brother-in-law. Because yeah. <laughs> I mentioned once that I knew you and you, your brother-in-law with him. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Leilani Munter is uh, brother-in-law of all things is, is Bob Weir, formerly uh, from The Grateful Dead. And... Um, he, I, I guess, has been a, a champion of yours as well in in his spheres, and um, you know it's always fun to uh, mention his name because I've seen him uh, growing up, being you know forming into the Green Living Guy at many different shows. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> uh, uh, the last one I saw was when uh, God bless when Jerry was still alive. It was in nineteen. 96, God, now I'm starting to show my age here, 1996, but Sting opened up and Bruce Hornsby was playing piano. What a Hmm. better show to end seeing the the full Grateful Dead with, you know? It was like everything you'd want in a show. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've been to a bunch of shows myself. They're they're definitely Uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful music and um, it must have been 95, though, because Jerry actually died in August of 95. Then, you're right. You're right. I'm an idiot. You're right. I went so. to grad school in 96. <laughs> I forgot. Yes, it was after <laughs> I – I'm an idiot, yeah. That's why I'm, I call myself the green living guy because, you know, I still do guy things like forget stuff. So I'm <laughs> not perfect, but I do my best. It's allowed. It's allowed. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad yeah. to hear you're a bit of a deadhead. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Bobby oh, yeah. actually did a benefit concert for um, for the Cove after he saw the Cove, which I, okay. I sent a copy to everybody in my family after I watched it. I bet it. you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we did a uh, benefit concert in San Rafael, California, where we screened the Cove, and then Bobby played an acoustic set. And oh, that was awesome. just great. So he's been really oh. supportive, and he's, well, you know, he, he's done a lot of him. things for the yeah. environment and... Well, I'll make sure to put um, um, find that story about about that event and put that up for you too about the cove as well. Yeah, I haven't done a couple of stories about the cove in a while, so it deserves another round. Well, that (laughs) would be great. The great thing about our stories is that they never die. There's no staleness to the cove. Right. (laughs) There's no, you know. And that that's one thing that bothered me originally about some media companies was that they thought that you had to build yourself into news cycles. And I said, if a person is putting up a solar PV plant that's going to power up one point, you know, like 
15 gigawatts or, you know, or a gigawatt or any kind of power, um, that's news. You know, you dealing with the cove today is still as much of a news issue as it was when the regular media deemed it, you know, a thing, mm-hmm. a, a thing. You know, it is still an important issue. The problem is the media just lives in news cycles, and especially with the presidential election, they're they're completely forgetting about important things. So uh, it's it's a plot. You know, we got to keep the message going, and I'll definitely work with you to get that word out for everyone because it's important. Oh, great. Well, we're working on. I actually have to go because I've got a I've got a call at two. I'm actively working on getting this eco awareness race car back out on the track. Okay. Um, we did Daytona, but there's nine more races left, and right now we're working on the vegan car. But like I said, we want to use the car to spread eco awareness for each race, and I need partners to help me do that to to get the funding in place to get the race car on the track to uh, spread awareness. So I actually have to go because I have to uh, talk well, to people who might be able to help me do that. Let me help you one last time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Leilani Munter, and you can find her at LeilaniMunter.com. How can people? How can companies out there get a hold of you regarding sponsorship? Is it Leilani yeah, at just, Carbon? I'm sorry, go they ahead. Can, they can just go to my website, LeilaniMunter.com or CarbonFreeGirl.com. They both go to the same place right now. And, okay. uh, yeah, there's contact information there. So, um, okay. so yeah, thank get you very much contact. for having me on. It was great to talk to you. <laughs> Ditto, ditto. You're doing so much. You're sending out great messages to people. And uh, I always try and say to people uh, at the end of my st- uh, shows that, you know, the whole point of the Green Living Guy show is to do one small step at a time to get yourself inclined to do great green things. And today's great green thing is to check out everything and anything about Leilani Munter at LeilaniMunter.com and to hear about the Cove and to hear about all these other things that she's doing. And uh, for companies out there, get on her. Cars, okay? <laughs> Call her up. Call her up. Get on that car. I want to see you on NASCAR, you know? <laughs> well, thank Thanks, you so much, Leilani. Have a great one. And Green Living Guy saying out one small step at a time. Today's is Leilani Munter. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.